I think people assume that I'm this aspirational version of myself all the time and that I'm just this confident person in all areas of my life and that this is easy for me and being sexy is easy for me when it's actually something that I really had to learn and a skill that I had to really nurture that was kind of my nemesis, was, was not something that I was good at at all. Um, and a lot of times I tell people in my personal life, I'm quite introverted and shy and quiet. And people just straight up don't believe me because my stage persona is so different. We are kicking off 2024 with the amazing Kitty Velour. This interview is something special. We talk about so many different things and Kitty was so vulnerable and open with me. And that meant I was also the same way uh, back to her. So I definitely opened up when I was talking to her. And we talk about sex work, we talk about stripping, we talk about her stage persona and what makes her her as a human. And I love this conversation. How was 2023? We're closing the year. So I'm from afar, like from what I was looking at, it looked like you've been doing a lot. Um, can you just tell me like some of your highlights, some of the challenges? 2023 has been such a, a wild ride of the year, really. Lots of highs and lows, very like a sort of roller coaster yo-yoing. Um, but I performed with Snoop Dogg which was amazing. That was one of like my highlights of the year. And I got married and I had this really extravagant, colorful, extra wedding. Um, so that was sort of my main focus of the year was trying to organize that. And just been doing some amazing travels as well, getting to headline in like Italy and Switzerland and getting to see different parts of the world and working with people internationally is just incredible. And I got my eagle this year. So that was very exciting for me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. So many things. I saw your, um, I think, like a reel or like some photos of your wedding. Um, it looked really cool. Your pink wedding dress. Um, and um, congratulations on that. It's a massive thing to get married. Uh, was that a long time in the making because of COVID? Well, we got engaged in 2020. I think it was September 2020. So we kind of waited a bit anyway before we started getting the details of the wedding in because I think there was a big backlog of weddings anyway. Um, so we had a sort of nice leisurely three-year engagement. Um, and I think we needed that time to prepare for this wedding because it was like a wedding, but also this massive production of a of a cabaret show so it was like two events in one. So it was a lot to to organize. But yeah, it went amazing. I couldn't have wished for a better day. It was just so fabulous, so colorful. And I'm just really happy we did it in a way that was unapologetically us, you know, with pole dancers and like half naked people and, you know, everyone wearing the most colorful, glittery you know extravagant outfits it was just so good <laughs> yeah no it's amazing you did it in your way which is really cool um like for me I'm also married um did it ever make like I always was a little bit like unsure whether to get married because it's very like conventional you know um and there's part of me that's like oh is it really like necessary did you have to go through those those things those kind of questions before you did it 
Yeah, definitely. I think I wasn't really one of those people that grew up wanting to get married or like dreaming of having a wedding when they were younger. Like I didn't really care about that kind of stuff. But I think we wanted to get married as just a way to like celebrate like our love and our life and to have a reason to bring everybody together. It's not very often that my personal life, my family, um, kind of gets to integrate with all of my performer friends and my pole dancer friends so it was just really nice to bring everyone together and to celebrate us and yeah I think I wanted to do it because of that but definitely like on a on a also like on a feminist principle like changing my name and stuff like that that was a funny one because mm-hmm. like my husband really want me to change to his surname yeah but I was like why <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> why do I have to change my name yeah what do you have to do Mm -hmm. I feel like we should both exchange something Mm -hmm. so I said to him like if I take your name illegally you can take my professional surname online so he made this Mr Valor Instagram account and then that kind of felt like I don't know more equal exchange because otherwise it just felt like I had to change loads of stuff and he had to do nothing yeah (laughs) it's unequal though so I took my husband's name but purely because I don't like my maiden name (laughs) so I was not bullied at school but I was teased at school because my maiden name is Duckworth so I was called the ugly duckling at school um, oh, so mean. <laughs> I know it's mean. So I just was like, I'm happy to just have a name that someone can't pronounce anymore. <laughs> that has no like, yeah. <laughs> no relation to like being at school. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a choice, isn't it? It's a bit of a difficult one. I think sometimes um, people can look at marriage and feel like it's very conventional, but you can definitely do it in your own way and, and make your own rules, even though it is like a, I guess, a conventional thing to do. Um, but a lot of the time it makes a lot of sense legally if you are sharing a business or that kind of thing it makes sense if you're like living together too to uh, like legally have something like set in stone Um, but it's a tricky one yeah 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 and then you mentioned uh, you're performing with Snoop that's amazing Um, how did that go like it looked amazing from afar it was amazing. It was it was such an amazing, incredible, special experience. It was very overwhelming because it was very short notice that we we found out. And then even prior to that, it was quite stressful because we were all we'd all auditioned and we were all waiting for this phone call and watching the tour progress from Australia to Europe and being like, any day now we could get the call, maybe. <laughs> Maybe it'll be today. And it was just like really stressful every day, this anticipation. And I was in a group with some other dancers that auditioned as well. And it was like the Snoop support group. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we would sort of give each other a bit of encouragement. Yeah. Also share information of like, oh, these dancers have been booked for this city. So, you know, that's done now. Okay. Um, how last then, minute was it then? So how like... So, how- yeah so it was literally like 24 hours before the day before I found out because I thought after they got to Manchester which is where I live I didn't get Manchester so after that I thought oh I'm not going to get it because I thought they would book me for my home city then I ended up getting booked for Glasgow and I got the phone call the day before and I was with my friend and we were just having a bit of a pole jam 
and I got this phone call and I was like freaking out and then I ended up having a full interview with Nicole on the phone <laughs> and I didn't realize it was going to be like a an interview so like my yeah. friend was just there she was just okay. like watching <laughs> watching me be interviewed which was quite funny I think it was like an icebreaker type thing just so she could find yeah. out a bit more about us as people um and then I was just giddy all day after that. I've never experienced anything like it where I was so excited. Like I just Amazing. couldn't concentrate on anything. Yeah. So I was literally yeah. like vibrating with like so much joy that I was getting to do this incredible job. And so in that 24 hours, did you kind of know what you were gonna be doing on stage or is it very much like improvised pole? Is that sort of like the, I'm just trying to imagine like having 24 hours mm. to kind of like prepare yourself it's not very long I know yeah so we we didn't really get any briefing so we just got I think things to bring so I overpacked I bought like 10 pairs of shoes and I only wore like two I think but um I just got everything ready to pack there wasn't really any time to prepare like actual moves because it was just a freestyle and it was the day before so there was just no time to train or anything <laughs> so you just had to hope for the best um and then I drove there and um we saw the stadium it was empty and then we saw the stage the poles there were two poles on either side of the stage and then we went through the set list and she would um Nicole would ask us what songs that we wanted to do so we got to choose our songs and she gave us a little bit of direction of like you need to make sure if Snoop is talking about wiggling you need to be wiggling if it's about central seduction you need to be you know doing some low flow stuff um but otherwise it was very much like just go just go <laughs> and dance and see what happens that was the scary part I suppose but yeah. I'm kind of used to that and I think for me it was actually more relaxing because I didn't have to like hit a certain beat I didn't have to do specific moves I could just kind of like free flow mm -hmm. and because I was sharing the stage with three other dancers Snoop there was a couple of rappers on the stage it didn't feel as like the pressure was just on me it just felt like there was more of a collective energy yeah so I've also found it not as scary because of that as well yeah yeah, definitely. No, I can I can imagine that. Um, I I perform in a band, so like, if I'm singing on my own, it makes me so scared. But if I've got like people behind me, I just feel like I have they're all with me, kind of thing. You can bounce off them. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's an amazing opportunity, isn't it? Um, and what was Snoop like as a person? Did you get to talk to him a little bit? Yeah, he was really nice. So we had an allocated amount of time with him after the show we would go to his dressing room and then we we have to wait for him to be ready so we're just all sat there kind of like looking at Snoop waiting for him to give us a signal and then we can come over and we just asked him to like sign stuff for us and take pictures with him and we spoke to him a little bit and he was just really accommodating and nice I imagine he must be exhausted and like he's used to like all this kind of fans being around him people being like I don't know acting a little bit weird around him all the time and he was just so chilled and like kind I thought as well and he's really funny he says some funny things but yeah I just found him a really like nice energy to be around um so that was really nice as well to get to spend a little bit of time with him and 
and yeah get those pictures with him and remember that forever so we've talked about all the positive a lot of the positive things which is really good way to start but were there any lows in the year that you'd be able to talk about I think I've just got to a point in my career where I was getting like so much work that I was saying yes to maybe too many things and then I was feeling really overwhelmed and I think this period this whole year has been a, a long period of overwhelm for me and I think as my online business grows that requires more of my attention so I'm running that during the week and at the weekends I'm doing shows and workshops which I also have to prepare for during the week so it was just like working two jobs and I was getting to a place where I was getting really burnt out and like not enjoying things as much as I used to because of Mm. that so that's something I've really learned from this year and I'm trying to take a step back for 2024 and just have a bit more time to myself have some free weekends who am I outside of work I don't really know because I'm just (laughs) always kitty below so it's it's yeah it's a hard one I think getting the balance I don't know if it's even possible to have a fully balanced life but Mm. it's definitely something that I've found um this year and I think a lot of people don't see all the parts in between when I'm traveling to places and how tired I am and carrying my suitcase and going from train to plane to you know bus or whatever it's exhausting it's so tiring and it's really not glamorous at all Mm. like I was on a train from like Stuttgart to Berlin and there was like no water on the train I had no food it was like seven hours no. <laughs> I was like I lost loads of weight on that trip because oh, no. there's barely any food available and I had hardly any time to to eat and when you're not in your own home environment you don't yeah. want to sleep as well so it's a lot it's a lot yeah that's definitely what people don't see um yeah the traveling is a lot and then um yeah just looking after yourself it's really hard and then like you said if you're away somewhere like that makes it even harder because it's hard to like I don't know <laughs> it's just harder to organize yourself isn't it if you're somewhere different um so what are you going to be doing differently in 2024 just saying no to things more yeah saying no to things more which I think I have got better at but um I'm actually not going to be doing many workshops next year I'm not really taking on any workshop bookings um just because yeah it's it's I think I've done that part of part of my life now I've traveled all over the UK to the most random towns teaching people and I've really loved it like I've loved it but I just think I've done that now and I want to I want to embrace a little bit more stillness in my life and a bit more rest and um not be on this kind of hustle hamster wheel which I don't think is really healthy for anybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what? My dream is just to have a month of free weekends. Like (laughs) that would be so luxurious for me, which is really funny because at the beginning of my career, I just, I wanted to be booked up. That was, that was my dream then. I wanted to be teaching and doing shows and making it a full-time job. And at that time I felt a lot of freedom from traveling like going to different places made me feel really free I could go anywhere people want to learn from me in different places that's so cool whereas like things have shifted and changed a little bit now so yeah I'm ready for the next era 
Yeah, it's different when you're married though, isn't it? Because you yeah. wanna you wanna spend time with your husband and you know, yeah. yeah, enjoy that part of your life. And it's you could always go back to like more hustle if you want exactly. to. It's not gonna close any doors, I think. Um, if anything, it's gonna make it more special when you when you do teach on the weekends and stuff. Yeah, but it's fair enough that you want a break and you want to have some relaxing time. Yeah, <laughs> just have a little bit more me time. Yeah, if you're always on the go, it can feel like you're, I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes you can feel a bit resentful that you're like, instead of grateful, which is what you started out as, like if you're always moving, always busy, it can feel like hard to be grateful for things if you're not really like, looking after yourself and having time to breathe. Um, so that's yeah. kind of- I, a, think you sum, I think you summed that up really well, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky thing. Um, and I wanted to ask you, um, I guess this is kind of moving into the next question quite well, because it's um, talking about what's going on on stage and what the audience doesn't see. Because I saw um, your post about adaptability, about having to um when you're performing you have to sort of go with the flow a little bit so you can have like a set idea of what you're going to perform but a lot of the time in venues um the ceiling can be you know not as high and you can have less space um and maybe you can be slippier with the pole um and it can be really important to just adapt what you're doing to fit with the audience and um, I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about that because you wrote a whole post about it. So could you talk to me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it's really difficult for pole dancers because a lot of the time that apparatus you train on is quite different to the one that you will perform on. So you're having to be able to do, yeah, to adapt to both. So normally I would train on my home pole, which is fixed. Mm -hmm. It's a chrome for... 45 mil but then I might be performing on an x stage which feels very different because mm. it's not fixed at the top it wobbles yep. it also might be a different metal material it might be a different thickness um some of them have legs that come out some of them oh, don't yeah. it might be in the corner of the stage and you have space for floor work you might have no space for floor work and then you have to really think about keeping or your choreo a lot smaller and more compact. Um, and then also the audience size. If the audience small, it's more intimate, there's more, um, I guess, more opportunity for connections with people. If it's a really big audience, then your moves need to be big, your energy needs to be big because you need to project it out to more people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know how pole is. Some days it's cold and slippy, some uh. days it's hot and sweaty and slippy yeah. <laughs> um and I think being able to do a full routine as well is a lot harder than when you're just doing a minute routine in a class being able yeah. to do four minutes five minutes dancing is a very a very different feeling I think than yeah. you know when you're in your safety of your own environment having to dance and keep that that energy up for that long that's also something to consider there's just so many different things there's so many factors mm. that change how you dance when you're live than when you're just in the safety of your home or studio yeah I find like when I'm performing I do everything much faster 
So <laughs> same. Oh my god, same. The adrenaline, it just makes you <laughs> like whoosh, rush everything. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to um it, like I do a lot of comp routines and stuff. So if I'm in my studio, I my I like it's all a bit slower. And then as soon as someone sits and watches me, even at the studio, I'm suddenly like, woo, like way faster. Um, so there's that and then yeah just like staying present when you're performing when all that is going on i think is quite difficult isn't it like it's easy for, to kind of like not black out but you know like not be like yeah funny i there. know what you mean <laughs> yeah you one. kind of you kind of phase out almost because there's so much going on um and like dealing with the nerves and the anxiety is really hard as well and i'm the same i tend to I already move quite fast but then when I have a lot of adrenaline sometimes it can make me go extra fast or in your head you feel like you went at a normal speed and then you watch it back and you're like oh no <laughs> that was that was very fast um so it's it can be hard to like kind of like take a breath and be like it's okay we can slow down we can be present I find it hard sometimes as well and then when I watch a routine back and I'm not in this elevated, anxious state, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, that was actually quite good. But sometimes it's hard to enjoy it because there's so much um, pressure when you're yeah. performing. Yeah. What do you do if you um, if you make a mistake on stage or if you feel like you really mess up? Has there been moments like that? I'm sure there has because most performers kind of have, you know, we're human. We, we um, might fall or slip or... I don't know like there's many things that can happen with pole right yeah I think everything that can go wrong has gone wrong to me at some point <laughs> um I actually have a a note on my phone I think it's called like showgirl mishaps and I just make a note of all the funny things that have happened to me on stage and I just like to read through it sometimes and laugh about it and think oh these are all the things that I've overcome um, but yeah, so many things like I've got my foot stuck under the stage before an audience member had to pull me out. One time I got like my bikini tied into my wig and I had to get an audience member to like untie <laughs> it. Uh, my wig has like slipped back before mm -hmm. a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I've tripped over my latex coat and then tried to make it into like a slide thing. Yeah. Oh my God. So many things. And I think you just have to carry on. Mm -hmm and just like smile at the audience kind of depending what has happened if it's not noticeable you just carry on if it's very noticeable I think just smiling at the audience and like sharing the acknowledgement of something went wrong but I'm <laughs> fine and I'm carrying on um yes. that is the key key thing that you have to really adapt to is like that is very likely to happen to you at some point how do you recover from that and even practicing I think when you're rehearsing and thinking okay what would I do if something went wrong like do I have some backup moves that I can do like some filler moves um you know mindset work how do I not beat myself up and just try to laugh it off and think you know it's all right it happens and carry on and not take it to heart which is is hard it's hard yeah that's what um a lot of people struggle with I think is I like the way that you make light of it I think that's really cool that you kind of laugh it off because I feel like it's very easy to get serious and kind of um like beat yourself up and it's for me I have to make a decision like do I want to beat myself up right now is that going to help no so I'm not going to I have to literally like uh, do that like sit with myself and be like I am not going to beat myself up over that weird invert or that like strange 
whatever that happened that I'm sure people noticed, but I'm just not going to do it because it's just not helpful. Um, but it's a very hard thing to do. But I really like that you make a list. That's really cool because um, it makes yeah. it fun and like less uh, serious and down on yourself. It makes it a bit more like oh, this stuff happens. It's fine. I'm going to like laugh it off. And um, the main thing is just continuing going, isn't it? I think as a performer, yeah. to try and get to the end of whatever you were about to do. Um, I recently watched um, a pole competition in South America. And as the levels went up, the highest level polers seemed to take more risks. And a lot of the times it went wrong. So whatever oh, move they were doing, gosh. they there were a couple of like falls, like a tumble and actual fall down to the bottom of the pole. And then there were a few just like very difficult, like jumps into an Aisha and, and this like really extreme, I guess, um, acrobatic stuff that sometimes just went a little bit wrong, but most of them just kept going. So I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. That's like a lesson in just watching the pros just kind of keep, keep moving, even though you can see as an audience member, oh, oh, that didn't quite, didn't quite land, but they're attempting it and they're just kind of continuing, which I think is really, really interesting lesson. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's really cool that you're talking about those things on your social media too, the adaptability thing and, and um, also sharing that things go wrong. Because I think from an audience perspective or just someone that looks on your social media, maybe people wouldn't get that just from looking at it. But yeah, it's a common, common thing. And poll is really hard. So <laughs> it's like very it's dangerous. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And there is, there is already such a big element of risk anyway. I think yeah. for new performers or new pole dancers who maybe just want to do like a showcase routine, what they go, what they do wrong is they try and put everything that they know in the routine. And I think, yes, maybe you can invert, but can you invert after you've been dancing for three minutes? Can you invert under pressure? Can you invert with heels on? Like, I would just keep it so simple. Do things that are so easy to you. It's better to do things that are simple, make them look beautiful, rather than trying to put loads of really difficult, hard tricks in there mm -hmm. that is gonna give you more anxiety yeah and yeah put you at risk anyway so I think simplifying things is just a really easy tip to to make your life easier definitely definitely I wanted to talk about the um drama in the pole community there's always a bit of drama um specifically about the licking the pole drama um so I remember that day whenever that was can't remember even what month that was now <laughs> but I remember I know it was like a while ago now wasn't it <laughs> yeah I remember like looking at my phone and being like whoa like what is what is going on um so could you um explain a little bit about what what went down you don't have to name people but just like roughly like the story for people who didn't know or didn't follow it yeah so there was a post made on Instagram and it was uh, an anonymous person who'd sent in saying that they didn't like people licking the pole or they thought too many dancers were licking the pole um I don't know if it was an event or competition or something and um yeah and it that's fine like that's somebody's opinion fine but 
it was on a platform that had like really big reach a lot of followers and it really encouraged this harmful rhetoric of like sex workers and strippers are dirty or a certain way of expressing your sexuality is not okay and it's disgusting to me and it encouraged other people to agree with that and that's especially harmful because sex workers and strippers are already going through so much stigma so much backlash and we're just trying to be heard and get on with our lives basically and to have someone from our own community in the poll community as well kind of enabling this type of um rhetoric was just really upsetting and it wasn't the first time either and it just offended loads of people and I think if like sex workers and strippers are feeling there's a lot of them feeling a certain way maybe you should listen to them and think about what you know what is the benefit of me posting something like this yes maybe it was only an opinion and it was supposed to be something not serious but it's a serious life out here and a lot of us yeah. are really struggling we have to, to decide on yeah we have to decide on what we're uh enabling and i feel like because well any kind of poll at the moment on any social media pr platform with any form of just like not being fully clothed um is just not seen right there's the whole thing of being shadow banned and then if you have a big reach and you're then posting that maybe they just didn't whoever did it just didn't really fully <clears throat> think things through but i think in this day and age we have to really think about things before we do <laughs> before we like post things um yeah um and it is someone's opinion but yeah just also posting it does allow a lot of people to read it and then maybe um i don't know really why they did that it's, it's a bit odd um and i saw um yeah a lot of people reacting to it obviously and luckily i saw a lot of people standing up for sex workers and strippers uh, from my end i didn't see anyone really degrading or or what's the word <clears throat> like talking badly about sex workers and strippers it was more like a positive like um more of a positive uh, reaction to it um yeah yeah which is good sure. um but why yeah go on sorry I don't want to talk over you yeah I yeah it's interesting to hear from your point of view as well because I saw a lot of support but then I was also thinking most of the people that follow me or that I follow mm -hmm. are probably more in that sphere anyway so the poll world is so big now I suppose there's probably lots of pockets that maybe didn't didn't agree or didn't understand and well, maybe, I don't know like yeah well, maybe those ones maybe didn't post about it you know because I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. silence is agreeing with something um and I don't think I actually saying that I don't think I actually posted anything other than sharing stuff other people have posted um but even even that is sort of supporting um strippers and sex workers in a way sharing their voice and their um opinion and their point of view um and I wanted to ask, why do you think so many people or why do you think this specific person has a problem with um, sex workers and strippers? Why do you think it's such a thing in the pole industry? I think 
overt sexuality in general makes people really uncomfortable and there's a lot of like kind of I don't know subconscious misogyny I think because let let us be let us express ourselves how we want if if you don't like it if it makes you uncomfortable like don't share your opinions and uh spread that kind of bigotry to other people Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's just not acceptable and I think you know you need to really think about why does this make me uncomfortable what is it that about this that I have a problem with and really examine that because it's just not okay and I think a lot of times we put up with so much um stigma and I think it's good to push back and be angry a little bit and to show people that it's not an acceptable way to talk about us it's not an acceptable rhetoric to share and I think when we express our upset and our hurt then it stops these kind of kinds of things happening again and it sets an example to the rest of the community like we do not tolerate this kind of prejudice like it's not not all right and I think that is really really important um I think if you're not used to like overt sexuality it's like quite shocking at the beginning I suppose for me I'm so desensitized to it so it's it's hard for me to understand like why people find it so difficult but I think there's all these societal pressures from our family from our peers from the media that um the female body or expressions of sexuality should be shameful should be hidden it's not something you want to see and if you are expressing it you're putting yourself at risk of you know like this like backlash of being criticized being judged and I think there's a lot of fears around that and it's very like nuanced and complicated because it's so ingrained into society that sex should be hidden and we shouldn't talk about it and we shouldn't dance in a certain way we shouldn't dress in a certain way so it's really relearning all of these old harmful narratives and uh, reshaping them for the future Mm. um there's a narrative that sex work is harmful for feminism um which i'm not going to agree with (laughs) but i wanted to ask you what you think of that narrative where it comes from i think sex work stripping is not inherently degrading or empowering but to have the choice for a person to have the choice to do what they want to do for work is incredibly important and that is the empowering part of having freedom of choice and I think a lot of people that think sex work is harmful have like never spoken to a sex worker they don't really know anything about it they don't know about um, the kind of legalities about it they don't know who these people are and they are just normal people like all of us and there's a very big difference between sex work and trafficking and they seem to be put into like the same box which is just so ridiculous because they're not they're not the same Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and that's kind of where all this Instagram censorship comes from is like the the argument that they are protecting people from being trafficked but they're actually not helping anybody stop being trafficked and then they're harming masses of communities of people sex workers strippers pole dancers um which is just so it's really really frustrating but yeah sex work has always been here always will be and really we need to 
um decriminalize it and we need to talk about it more yeah make the working conditions safer and that's that is so important Mm -hmm. 100% agree and um I think sex work is um what someone else talked to me about with this um theme is that it is an actual job and it's not like easy so I don't think um some um people might not be able to do that kind of work maybe it's too difficult for them um it's not like an easy option is what they were saying about it and I think that's a really good point is um like it's it's very difficult thing to put yourself through especially if it's um not in the safest conditions and also the stigma around it must be a lot to um you know for your mental health must be a lot to kind of go through i think you have to be really tough to be able to do that kind of work mentally and you know also physically probably too um yeah it's very nuanced and i feel like um, a lot of people just kind of degrade and put down stripping and sex work but don't actually think what it would be like to be in those environments um you started as a stripper is that right yes yeah so could you talk a little bit about that um and what it's like in a strip club because maybe a lot of people don't really know i think it's important to know what it's like from a from a stripper's perspective yeah i think also following on from what you were saying it's annoying that um they're putting this all on the sex workers and strippers as like those are the people that are degrading but what about the customers and the clients that are also consuming that work like why are they not getting penalized so i just wanted to say that um yeah so for me actually many reasons i left stripping but one of the reasons i left stripping was um because the working conditions are quite bad I didn't feel I was protected um, in terms of like the finances and like job security. There's a lot of um, times where management can kind of do what they want. They can fine you for anything. They can fire you willy nilly. And it didn't feel very safe in that respect. It didn't feel very um, secure, stable. Yeah, secure. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stripping, I think, is also very, it varies so much. So my experience in the strip club could be so different to somebody else's. Um, when I was stripping, I when I started, I I loved the the aspect of the sensuality of it. I used to love watching other dancers on stage. I used to love that seducing people, and I think that's seducing people is about making people feel special and making them feel seen and connected and that was really like quite beautiful like I really enjoyed that part of it and I felt like I was good at that part of connecting with people it could also be really hard in terms of long hours like unsociable hours working at night um dealing with drunk people Uh, yeah Uh, yeah the worst (laughs) drunk men the worst um and disrespect as well like some some customers could be very disrespectful they would just be like on a power trip and want to make you feel bad or compare you to somebody else. And so that could be really hard as well. And the continuous boundary pushing, which comes with a lot of sex work. I think that's the most important 
thing that anyone should know about before going into sex work is know your boundaries check in with your boundaries all the time because they will always be pushed like as a stripper I was always asked for more more extras or full service and I constantly have to be like no that's not something that I offer and you have to be pushing back all the time and that in itself is quite exhausting as well yeah it's really difficult I think um, Um, boundaries in life are hard like I can't yeah they are when it comes to sex work that's a whole other thing like that must be even harder especially you know with with people throwing money at you or I don't know a man as well it's quite hard to be strong with men isn't it if you're if you're a female I find it hard anyways Mm. not not talking for everyone but yeah so I think all of that definitely is is something that people should think about when they're talking in a derogatory way about sex work because if you haven't done it and you're I hate that that's one thing that really really annoys me is when people haven't experienced something and then they just like shit all over it yeah they have all these opinions about it and they've never even yeah they never spoke yeah exactly never experienced it I hate that so much it's really like I try not to be like that but it's it's something that really really bothers me um and the other thing that bothers me a lot is like trying to make pole um disassociated with its roots um so I I try on this podcast also to like actually talk about the roots of pole like where it comes from comes from strippers and I I really hate the trying to split it or get it away from that um and people saying like oh I don't have a problem with strippers but I'm not a stripper kind of thing um yeah I think there's a better way to be as a pole dancer you could say I don't know what the wording would be but um pole comes from stripping I wouldn't be doing these moves if it wasn't for my uh, stripper counter parts like the people who came before me maybe something like that I'm not sure but we have yeah. to be a bit careful with with how we like talk about that topic especially because there's a lot of people who don't do pole and then they're like oh are you a stripper and then it goes all messy I think it's really important mm-hmm. to be able to give credit to strippers and sex workers um and not try and like make it a separate thing would you agree with that yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's yeah, it's really frustrating, and I understand where a person is coming from. If someone says to them, "Are you a stripper?" and you say, "No, I'm not a stripper," because you're just trying to clarify what you do. Yeah. But I think it's also important to give a bit more information than that and explain, like, "Oh, yeah, but pole dancing comes from strippers, and like, I'm really inspired by strippers. A lot of these moves, the moves were created by strippers." Um, or stripping is a really hard job I respect it I wouldn't be able to do it Um, it's it's the thing of that's confusing I think is that stripping and pole dancing are seen as these like synonymous things when then they're not so strippers pole dance but not all strippers pole dance pole dancing is like a small aspect of stripping for some clubs in some parts of the world more than others I do get how it can be confusing when we're like like pole dancing is from strippers and then a bunch of pole dancers might go to a strip club and they expect to see loads of pole dancing and they're like I don't understand (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which I get could be confusing but I think pole dancing all the first studio owners event producers 
of pole dance were all strippers and ex-strippers. So those were the strippers that were the dancers that came from the clubs and introduced pole dance into the mainstream. But not all strippers care about pole dancing or do pole dancing. Uh, pole hasn't always been a part of stripping. Um, so I get like there's a, a little bit more nuance to it. And like mm -hmm. when you think about America and people think about that sort of American idea of like the, the make it rain, there's all this money, there's like dancers twerking all over the ceiling and doing all these really amazing pole shows. But that's a very much American stage culture that we don't have in the UK or Europe, really. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more private dance based, lap dance based. All the poles seem to be disappearing from the clubs here because it's not uh, a key part of the strip culture anymore. Okay, but it was. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about you as a performer um and so you as kitty velour and then also you as an actual person um so what do you think people misunderstand about you when they're looking at uh your instagram or when they see you perform what do you think people miss i think i think people assume that i'm this aspirational version of myself all the time and that i'm just this confident person in all areas of my life and that this is easy for me and being sexy is easy for me when it's actually something that I really had to learn and a skill that I had to really nurture that was kind of my nemesis was was not something that I was good at at all um and a lot of times I tell people in my personal life I'm quite introverted and shy and quiet and people just straight up don't believe me because my stage persona is so different and they're like no 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 that can't be true like but it is that's that's I think that's the kind of jarring thing that people when they meet me I'm quite different to how I project myself on stage which I think is kind of fun like I like to be these two different people yeah I understand that I get that um I I think that's kind I don't know if that's normal as a performer, but I feel like that's kind of a thing that I see a lot. There's like, you save all your energy for the stage and then maybe it's like, you're tired you know, yeah. and you want to just be like, oh, I'm in a comfy jumper and I'm just going to watch a film, you know, like it's, it's because you're a person, it's, um, you're a human being. You can't, you're not a cartoon character, right? So you're going to have a, like a moment where you're maybe this confident being and then a moment when you're more introverted um and shy you know you don't have to be always extroverted um and do you feel like a pressure to be extroverted when you meet people or are you just like I'm just going to be me I think sometimes I do think oh am I going to be a disappointment in real life because I'm really quite different <laughs> from my stage persona and I've had to yeah really work on that um just being at peace with this is who I am and definitely I still try to improve my confidence in speaking up um but I think like what you said I think it is quite normal to have both because sometimes you see actors in interviews and they're like really softly spoken and mm -hmm. quiet like the whole demeanor is different to the characters that they play so I think it, it is this thing of you know you have your certain um, artistic language where you get to pull out this really big 
brazen version of yourself but then it kind of goes back in when you're not in your your realm of artistry Mm -hmm. I love also that you said that sexiness can be learned because I feel like the most unsexy person ever (laughs) especially (laughs) like I'm not like I know I'm not unsexy like when you look at photos of me I'm like okay they look nice and stuff and like when I do flexy stuff I'm like oh yeah that looks quite sexy and stuff but like in terms of like sexy dancing I've always like kind of shied away um from it and I feel like it's for me that's probably a really good thing to try and um what's the word um learn I guess like do some classes and just get more comfortable with it because um yeah it's something I always avoid um I guess again it's probably just fear um so that's really good that you're saying that you can learn it and that it's a skill because people don't think that way they feel like probably you're either sexy or you're not right yeah yeah I think it's it's a part of a, a confidence journey and I think a lot of times people are drawn to pole dance wearing the heels but not necessarily doing the sexy stuff because you have to be quite vulnerable I think mm. to when you first if you've never tried to be like dance sexy before the first time you do it you're probably going to feel really silly and stupid and like really uncomfortable and self-conscious and that's completely normal mm-hmm. um and it's being able to kind of let let yourself be silly and let yourself be a little bit vulnerable and make mistakes and feel a little bit goofy like like I was saying earlier with all the mistakes I've made on stage you have to learn to let go a little bit and not take yourself too seriously because being sexy is hard and it is something that will kind of go wrong at times but it's okay it's part of the journey and everybody else is also feeling the same in the class as well so Mm. you just have to not overthink it and once you get over that kind of hump that's when you really start to explore well what do I actually like and who am I in this kind of pole persona and what parts of me do I enjoy and we're never taught those things of like how to intuitively listen to ourselves and our bodies no I feel like our bodies are always taken from us absolutely so yeah quite a heavy thing to talk about but you know with the even in a very um not small way because um, sexual assault is not small, but you know, with the Me Too movement, when all that happened, whenever that was, um, that made me feel like really angry because I talked to my husband. I said, have you ever been not assaulted, but have you ever had someone like make a comment at you when you walk past them? Or, you know, have you ever been like sexualized when you're not wanting to be? And he was like, no, I don't, he didn't, get it so for him that's not part of his life ever and I feel like women have to put up with that all the time and um there's definitely I feel like I have a lot of trauma with my body and just people always taking it taking it taking it and me never being like right this is my body I'm going to be sexy in my way so I feel like that's going to be definitely something that I need to go for it's it's going to be a journey but I've definitely always like put up a little wall because it's too scary um does that make sense that makes so much sense and I think that's a way of you protecting yourself um you know from this society that we live in and I say this quite a lot of my classes like when you touch yourself in a class like it's taking the power back you might have spent your life being groped and grabbed and yeah like you said your body being taken from you or used without your permission 
So when you touch yourself in class, that's you expressing your own bodily autonomy. That is your body. You don't have to touch it because I tell you to, but when you, if you do want to, that's your body, it's your choice, you know? And I think that in itself is so symbolic and really powerful and healing and healthy to, to have that space where you can explore your body and feel safe in it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of women probably relate to that. Um, and you talk a little bit about your early years before pole and your struggles. I remember you, I, I can't remember if you talked about this on the, on the podcast that I listened to, but you definitely talk about trauma versus taking back the power in terms of dance, helping you with that. Could you talk a little bit more about that? You can go as deep as you want to go. Cause I know that it's fairly like heavy stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it feels such a long time ago that I sometimes forget like how far I've come with it. And when I, I had a really difficult time in my teenage years. So when I was growing up, I was painfully shy. Like I really got very embarrassed easily. I hated being the center of attention um, in class and felt very self-conscious about my body as well. Like I, used to always wear long joggers in um, sports in PE even when I was playing netball and I was getting so hot like I just wouldn't take them off because I just didn't like the way that my legs looked and it's so funny now thinking about that and like how naked I am now on stage and it's such a big transformation that Paul gave me like I really struggled with my own self-worth and with eating disorders and experienced sexual assault all at this time so when I look back no wonder I was struggling and finding it so difficult because there was no guidance on like how do you cope with all of these things and Paul really gave that to me it gave me a way of learning to appreciate my body and um, explore my body for myself and embrace my sensuality and see it as this gift this superpower and I remember one of my first teachers praising me for being sexy and encouraging me to keep doing that and I always remember that because no one else had ever given me permission and she kind of just said like yeah just be yourself that's kind of what it was and um I really appreciate that and I think I try to do that for my students as well just to give them that encouragement of like you know you can express yourself safely here just be yourself do you um and I think for a lot of people with pole has been very transformative and that's my favorite part about it is that confidence building and um body acceptance like I love that yeah I, I feel like that's a really amazing part of pole as well However, <laughs> with with me, um, I still have body issues and I have days where, um, because we are not wearing many clothes as pole dancers, um, I sometimes will watch a video back and be like, oh, like that, like my tummy and that video or like, you know, little body issues. And it's usually actually, I've realized it's usually when I'm just having a bad day in general that I have like a bit of a negative critical voice that starts to just like go louder um so I feel like that's quite hard as a pole dancer because I think if we were doing you know hip-hop or <laughs> something where you're more covered it, with a mirror in front of you, you we wouldn't necessarily have to 
deal with with that so i think as a pole mm-hmm. dancer we have to be quite strong and and um deal with our body issues you know or maybe just be aware that they can come up and just sort of accept that it's part of of pole dancing sometimes um especially with like instagram and always seeing like the thin white person doing a really flexy trick i don't know if you see it in the same way because obviously you're like much higher up in your pole career i don't know if you've ever experienced that as a like as a offset of what you were talking about yeah i think i think that's really normal it's not like now i don't still have days where i don't feel that comfortable my body is i'm not immune to all of the societal messages that we get sent out i still feel like that sometimes some days you just feel really bloated or you just don't feel good about yourself for me a lot of the time it's to do with my skin as well and I know a lot of people um feel insecure about their skin because of eczema or acne or whatever so I think that's okay and I um I still hear all the voices like the voices are there but I'm a lot better at just like letting them speak and then just being like okay thanks for sharing bye (laughs) (laughs) and like pushing them to the side and I, I try to set a really good example. So I never talk negatively about my body, like in front of, well, pretty much anyone, maybe only my husband, if I tell him I'll ha- yeah. if I'm having a bad day. But I don't speak about it in front of my friends or um, my students because like, I yeah. just don't want to encourage that kind of, of um, talking. Although it's not wrong to be like, oh, you know, if you're feeling bad about yourself, you can obviously tell your friend and express that. But you don't want to make it something that's um, a part of the way you talk about yourself all the time. Yeah. So I think I think that's important. And um, yeah, so when especially when I first started pole, there was hardly any plus size or bigger bodies. It was all very much like petite, thin, white people. Mm-hmm. And I found that really difficult because I used to be like, I'm always I am still like curvy but I used to be like a bit bigger than I am now Mm -hmm. and no matter how much weight I lose like I always have like my hips and my bum so that's just the part of my my body and I really struggled because I felt like it took me longer to learn moves where I had to lift my bum over my head and there are also not other anyone around who was embracing teaching people to embrace their their curves and their jiggly bits Mm -hmm. and that's why I really enjoyed watching the American pole dancers like black American pole dancers and seeing them twerking and like embracing and celebrating their bodies um and I felt like my bodies looked you know more similar to them than to anybody else yeah and so I kind of uh use that as inspiration to think okay well maybe I can just embrace what I've got and and try to to find the pros in it and there's pros and cons to all all bodies and I think that's why it's so important to have good visibility of a variety of different shapes and sizes because otherwise you do feel like you need to look like a certain way and and that's just not useful for anybody because we are the way that we are yeah yeah I've, I've struggled with eating disorders as well and I feel like it's a common I don't want to say common thing with dance or sport, but it is something that crops up a lot because there is this visual of how people who compete or perform look. And um, yeah, it's important just to, I, I usually just sort of try not to look at Instagram too much too, because I do see a lot of very thin, very white, uh, very bendy people. 
who are basically ballet dancers on the pole or gymnasts on the pole. So I have to be like, reality check. This is not everyone. It's just what you're seeing, probably because I like those posts or because I, I don't know, maybe they, the algorithm is going that way because they see what I'm, I'm looking at or whatever. I'm not really sure how it works, but yeah, just, just being like reality check. This is not what everyone is like doing pole. What would you tell someone who wants to be like a pro pole performer or make money from just doing pole? Um, what would be your advice to them? Because obviously that's a quite scary initial leap or choice to make. Yeah, I, I always want to encourage people to like follow their passions and their dreams. And I think not not putting all your eggs in one basket. I was going to say one box, one basket. Um, it, just having like multiple sources of income is, is a really good idea, I think. Um, with Paul, there's there's lots of different ways to make money. You could be teaching, you can own a studio, you can be doing um, camps or selling merch, running events. There's lots of different things. Um, when I started, I was trying to look at other pro pole dancers and see if I could like copy their path. And then my path ended up being completely different anyway. And so I think not getting too fixated on, oh, it has to be this way. You'll be surprised at what kind of different opportunities might present themselves if you're open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think like social media is really important to whatever venture of poll you try to follow. I think building yourself a really strong identity as a person or a brand um, and thinking about what makes you unique and different, you know, to everybody else. I think that is a really good starting point. Mm. Yeah, because you're definitely one of the first pole performers that I saw, I think. I think uh, being colourful and like very creative, unicorn, rainbow vibes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I wanted to ask you, because you are such a creative performer, where do you get your ideas from? Do you have like a way of like, you know, when you have an idea, do you write it down or something? I am just a big daydreamer. So I'm always thinking about different ideas. I have too many ideas for costumes than I could ever afford. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of the time it does, It not always, but like a lot of the time I would just start with like the, I sort of see the color or the costume and then I think about that first and I can be inspired by like I'm quite inspired by drag and and other cabaret shows that I go to um, and I kind of fuse that with my cabaret background with my stripper background um, and I love making Pinterest boards for for outfit ideas I also love like movies and literature as well so sometimes I'm inspired by a lot of like fairy tales and um love all those kind of mythical creatures like the unicorn and the mermaid and stuff like that and I love embodying these characters and bringing them to pole so it's kind of how I play with ideas yeah it's really cool um what's going to be next for you in 2024 in terms of like performance do you have any like creative ideas that you're willing to share I really want to make my wedding dress into like a princess act so I'd love to wear it again yeah um so I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do that which I think will be really really fun and then yeah it will be cool to to dance in in it all again it's just 
it's hard with costumes I always get really difficult costumes that are really hard to dance in (laughs) and then I have to really choreograph around the costume because there's always limitations with costumes about certain things that you can do and that's why my routines are so long because the first bit is just me in the costume and then once I actually take it off I can actually dance (laughs) makes sense yeah so I guess they kind of get in the way right if you're if you're yeah yeah Yeah. it just it depends I have one like unicorn thing with like cone boobs but I can't lie on my front when I'm wearing it or like with my chaps I obviously can't like climb or anything and when I move they will undo a little bit so I have to be really strategic about how I wear them and when I take them off (laughs) makes sense yeah yeah and what about um any other things you're looking forward to in 2024 are there any aspects of your mindset you're still working on any things that like in terms of like your personal life you are willing to share that you're going to be working on in 2024 yeah I'm I'm just trying to go into 2024 and embrace stillness a little bit and I think at other times I've tried to slow down and I've had these gaps in my schedule and I've got a bit restless and thought I need to fill it with something yes (laughs) like that's very easy to do isn't it and so I'm trying to really embrace stillness and rest and relaxation mainly for my own mental health to just regulate my nervous system so I feel like my nervous system has been very dysregulated and that's caused a lot of anxiety and overwhelm so just trying to find that balance next year of um being okay with nothing and I think sometimes that's when you have really great ideas and um you're able to really be more creative once you let your cup be filled by Mm. you know rest which is also a form of productivity I think rest is also productive Yes, um, I think it's yeah. it's kind of scary to do, right? That's that's the thing. Maybe it's scary to it just is. kind of it's pull scary, back a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also um, there's almost a sense of pride as well when you're like overworked. You're like, look at how much work I'm doing. I'm so tired and exhausted and burnt out because I'm doing all the things. Um, and trying to like let go of that like yeah. ridiculous badge of honor that actually doesn't really serve anybody. Yeah, maybe you can do, you know, I don't know, it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because we can feel kind of scared to change things. You know, if something's working really well, there's this sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it can feel like, oh, I'm going to change this and then it's all going to go to shit kind of thing, which is not reality. <laughs> like, but yeah. Yes, change is scary, isn't it? And I think it's having faith that, you know, opportunities will still find you, they will still be there. You don't have to have this kind of like, I I get like this FOMO sort of Mm. mentality of like, I'm missing out on stuff, but actually it's okay. Like those things will still be there. Mm. You don't have to panic and think that, you know, things are passing you by because it's just not, it's not the case. It's not true. Yeah, no, I completely relate to that. What would you say to someone who is scared to um, like kind of dance sexy? What would be your your like um advice to them I think just take it really slow like don't be too hard on yourself be compassionate to yourself if anything um don't compare yourself to others I think that can be really easy when you're in a class and you think everyone else is so sexy and I just am not but 
everyone else is worried about the same stuff as you and you don't know what that person's thinking or what they've been through either just focus on yourself and and nurturing yourself and making yourself feel comfortable and it will come it just takes time and practice on how to control your body in this sensual way especially Mm -hmm. if you have layers of shame that you have to unpack as well it will take a while to come out of your shell and to be fully comfortable so yeah that's cool that's great advice amazing I'm very excited for your 2024 I feel like me too (laughs) it's a really good it's a really good thing to to rest and just you know I think you're going to have like your best creative ideas because you will allow yourself to rest I think it's going to be amazing and I think we'll wrap it up here unless there's anything you want to speak on that we haven't talked about I don't think so I think this we've covered a lot of things yeah Yeah. thank you so much for having me it's been lovely yeah it's been great it's been like a dream to talk to you and it's made me really think about 2024 in a different way um and I'm gonna set real goals around actually doing like a sexy class and just seeing how it goes yes do it seeing what comes up (laughs) I feel like sometimes we can always avoid the scary things but as soon as we do them they're much you know they kind of the fear goes away quite quickly yeah. you know it's always it's just, just that initial stepping out of your comfort zone isn't it uh I think it will come to you really easily like you already have such great pole skills and flexibility like people will be like oh we already thought you were sexy like no one's <laughs> even gonna realize <laughs> maybe hopefully yeah <laughs> isn't kitty just such a lovely encouraging warm person it's not that I wasn't expecting her to be like that but um it was such a nuanced conversation with so many layers and depth to it. So I feel like there's a lot there um, to listen to and go back and listen to again. And I definitely would love to train with Kitty. If you would like to train with her, um, her online platform is in the show notes and I'm gonna link up some other things like her Instagram profile, plus any other um, links to her work that you can check out um do check out the show notes um let us know what you think rate us comment share the podcast so i really do feel like these sort of interviews that show the real person behind the performer are really great for everyone in the pole industry